Welcome to 42 Answers from Founders for Founders, a podcast series brought to you by Project A Ventures, the operational VC. My name is Rainer Berak, operating partner at Project A, and our guest today is Marius Hepp. Welcome. Hey, Rainer. Thanks for having me. In this podcast, we talk to great founders and we ask them the exactly same set of questions in the domains that we think matter tremendously for building successful companies. These are tech, growth, people, data, and ESG. Marius, who are you, what do you do, and why do you do it? Thanks, Rainer. Amazing, amazing concept. Uh, my name is Marius. I'm the co-founder of uh, Junto. And what we're building is essentially a B2B upskilling platform that empowers organizations and their talents to learn directly from world-class operators, so not from university professors, but from the people who have done it uh, before. And we do that through interactive life courses, a curated cohort of peers, and a scalable tech platform that we're building. And I think what's more important for us is why are we building it? Because that's not just because B2B learning a 400 billion market is a huge commercial opportunity, but because of our personal experience. So both Johannes, uh, my co-founder, and me have experienced the privilege to learn from uh, mentors and from peers in the past. Johannes at McKinsey in a very structured environment. Myself, uh, as an entrepreneur, I started my first company when I was 17 uh, through the Entrepreneurs' Organization. And we learn what a tremendous impact peer-to-peer -peer learning can have on others. And the questions that we asked ourselves after I sold my previous company last summer was, how could we scale that experience through technology? And the answer to that question is uh, Junto. Okay, tell us a little bit more about Junto. You, you're you're still relatively young. Your your platform isn't live for a very long time, right? And and maybe also a few words about your target group because that matters for a number of the questions that we will go through later on. De definitely, definitely. So Junto is at the very beginning of a highly exciting uh, journey. We just launched operationally uh, with the uh, big dream of decoding the business playbooks that are in the minds of those successful operators globally, but young talents don't have access to it, to all the knowledge that's locked in their minds. And so what we're doing to unlock those experiences is that we're hosting Twitch-like live streams with leaders from uh, Google, from N26, of Gorillas, people who've run their functions at world-class level before and match them with a curated cohort of peers to, to learn together. And so to answer your questions regarding our target group, we're running a B2B2C model. We're selling yearly memberships to the companies. They're paying for their talent to be upskilled, so to say. But we're designing, and that's very important because L&D doesn't work that way for now, the whole experience for the talents, for the young professionals. So our initial target group are our first-time managers in fast-scaling startups and scale-ups. And since we launched in, in January, I think we're on a very good path to, to product market fit, having closed uh, more than 200,000 uh, euros in recurring revenues and more than uh, 50 customers. So very excited uh, I think for learning and development in general and your podcast in specific, there's so much we have in common here. Cool. Thank you so much for that. So if, if that model really works and, and takes off perfectly, we can probably drop this podcast in the future because you will solve the problem that we are trying to solve here. 
Uh, and that's great. That would make me really happy, not that I don't enjoy it, but it's always great to have even better solutions for bringing the knowledge to founders and operators out there. And now let's get started. People. If you would start a company today, what would be your first five hires? That would be product, definitely. I think content and community is very important to us. And then sales. And the role that I think is very much underrated is the entrepreneur in residence would always be one of my top five. Um, can you say maybe one or two words uh, about the seniority? Would you hire like um, um, not so experienced people and let them grow in the organization? Or would you go for C-level like people right at the start? Uh, that's a very good good question. And for me, it's a golden middle. So I'm I'm believing in diverse teams, also in terms of seniority, uh, seniority level. So I would go with a few young talents, for example, for entrepreneur and resident roles, and then where functional expertise is needed, for example, in product development, I like to go with seniors. Okay. And were these your first five hires? Yes. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> What are the hardest hires of today if you run a digital company? Yeah, that's an easy one. Tech and tech and sales. Sales has become so hard nowadays. Okay, we will talk a little bit more. It's it's funny because it's uh, it, tech tech is probably the more obvious. Sales is something that most founders give as an answer uh, to that question. We we mm -hmm. go a little bit deeper on that later on. How do you measure employee satisfaction? And that's a very good question. And I think it's at the heart of what Junto Junto does because I like to think about an employee as a customer. And so we really try to measure what we call an employee net promoter score as well. Would they recommend us as their employer? And we try to do to measure that along a range of tools. So one is surveys, obviously, automatic ones as well. But then even more important is qualitative feedback. And we gather that in structured one-on-one -on -one conversations, really asking people, what can we do even better to become an even better uh, employer to you? How about employee performance? How do you measure that? Or do you measure that? We, we do. And I think it depends on the role uh, largely. But in the end, it's always a mix of some quantitative measures in terms of um, core KPIs operationally, but also goal attainment. And then qualitative measures in terms of uh, we like to run feedback surveys from peers and Also, very interestingly, we've started to measure performance against our core values. How much does someone add culturally to the, to the company as we grow? Mm -hmm. um, what's your favorite type of org chart? How should, how should a company be structured? I mean, this is, this is a very general question, right? And I think every organization is different. And the way I designed the organization at Upreach, my last company, and how I designed Junto now is, is completely different. But if there is one thing I learned, I think it's to be very conscious about not building silos. It's so easy to differentiate product and sales, for example, or revenue generation and product and tech uh, building functions. And I think it's very important to keep them close. Yeah, we again we go a little bit deeper when we talk about the growth and the tech cluster mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to breaking up the silos. Um, how about culture? What's your approach? That's also a very important one. And for me, I have learned culture needs to be values first. So literally within the first month of starting Junto, we've kicked off our value discovery workshop series. So we've put a lot of emphasis on what's important to us. How do we want to work uh, together? And then 
it's not done with designing values or discovering values, but they have to be tangible as well. And I think we're kicking this off with hiring and onboarding processes already. So communicating very early on what we expect from new hires in terms of how they should fit to our values, but then even based performance reviews, as I said earlier, on how well does an employee live those values every day. Are you remote first or office first? Remote first. Okay. But you do have an office. You do offer office space or, or not at we all? Do, we do offer a office space. Uh, so we are a hybrid organization. But then the way that a hybrid organization needs to be designed, in my eyes, is remote first again. Tech. Would you call Junto a tech company? Definitely, definitely. Tech is at the heart of what we do. Although we design learning experiences in the end, they can only scale and be adjusted to the individual learner's needs with a strong technological infrastructure. There is, in some companies at least, uh, some, um, I wouldn't say friction, but some competition between product and the development team. Um, who should be in the lead? <laughs> That's that's a good one. Uh, I think they need to go hand in hand. For us, product is shaping the strategy, though, taking customer insights, translating that into a feature roadmap. But still, they work hand in hand. There is no either or. So is it product who decide what to develop next? Yes. Yes. And I do think product has to be a founder's responsibility in the very early days. So now that we set up Junto, Johannes and me are leading product strategy ourselves. Uh, is is one of you like the product founder or or do you both stay generic and then the product team is actually checking in on the next developments together with you? Yeah, we have a clear distinction where Johannes is focused on all revenue generating uh, activities. So that is uh, sales and marketing and customer success. And I'm uh, more focused on the product and technology side, but still product strategy in the way what is the company that we want to build is a founder's responsibility that we that we share. Okay. So how does the decision process work if you're looking at what's on the roadmap, which features should be developed next, etc.? I think this is where sales, product, and tech need to come together. Sales is first in providing customer insights. What's the real needs that we need to be solving? Then product is translating that into a strategic roadmap. And tech for us in that very early stage of roadmap building is more as a, as a feasibility checker. What's your take on product-led growth? It's amazing. I think it's what, what everyone is looking for, right? But <laughs> what I learned in, in my, my experience running B2B organizations is that the best B2B sales orgs, they combine bottom-up growth where users really crave the product with a very strong top-down sales organization that can go to C-level and say, well, look, this is the number of users that signed up on our platform already. So why don't we come together and do a, do a nice contract for you about that? And Junto actually qualifies quite nicely for that, right? Definitely. And we designed it that way. Which role does design play in your company? A key role. Key role. I think everything is design much more than the, the eye can see, the visual aspects of it. It's a lot about designing a service or experience across all customer touch points that is designed to me. Maybe that's because I think the first company I, I started when I was 17 during, during high school was an agency business. And I think that has shaped a lot about how, how I like to look at business models as well from a design perspective. Would you or, or do you outsource software development? Yeah, 
Yeah. And um, I don't think there is no shame about it. A lot of companies say, well, we need to build everything from from the startup in-house. I don't think so. I think to be successful, also from a technological standpoint, you need to be able to iterate quickly. And there's great outsourcing agencies for that in the very beginning. Just don't miss the point where you want to insource those as you build your IP and uh, in-house capabilities. So you don't see that in conflict with basically being funded and, and like valued as a tech company. Um, mm -hmm. the, a significant part of developing the solution can be outsourced to reliable partners. In, in the very beginning, definitely. It's much more about uh, proving product market fit, validating user needs, and then translating those into technological uh, assets as you scale the, the business. Growth. If you think about the complete funnel from brand to marketing, sales, and customer success, do you at Junto have all these functions or, or do you plan to have all these functions at some point? We, 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 we do and they're at the heart of what we're doing at, at Junto. Obviously, they're very early um, right now. Um, is any of them in the lead for the overall growth process? And, and, and how, how, what's the structure among them? Yeah. Junto is a revenue-driven, typical B2B organization. So I do think that sales needs to be in the lead in the end because they have the overall responsibility for uh, revenues. And the way to make sure that they work together well is to define one overall responsibility. Call it a chief revenue officer or even better, have a founder who is amazing at sales. And I think Johannes is one of the best um, of the best uh, sales leaders they are in in the world. Yeah, I think you have uh, at least partially already answered the next next question because what we see a lot in B2B companies is if you have all these functions, you you they they build the funnel, right? And um, you convert from one one from from one step to the next, which also means that if the the revenue doesn't come in, uh, they easily start to blame each other. How how can you <laughs> avoid that? Yeah, uh, def definitely. And when the blaming starts, I think the, the organization is lost. So really making sure that there is one overall responsibility and revenue thought is thought as one function rather than a puzzle of different pieces is key for us. And that's the way we designed the Junjo organization with one key uh, revenue responsibility. How important is brand for you? Very, very important. And, and how do you approach it? I think we, we did... And I like the process a lot with an external con consultant. One of the brand gurus in, in Europe was to first define brand pillars. For us, that's creating action-oriented business content, a thrilling experience, and a club of learners. And once those pillars were defined, to map all the touch points a user has with the brand. And then, step three, make sure that the brand pillars are consistent at each of those touch points. So make sure brand is not this fluffy word out there, but really implemented at all the core points across the value chain. How about marketing? Which channels do you use and why? Mm. I'll pick one that's really underrated, and that's uh, LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn right now is where maybe Instagram was five years ago, where TikTok maybe was one or two years ago. Uh, highly underrated and very cheap in comparison to other channels. And we use it as a paid channel. 
as an organic uh, channel and even with with influencers and i think there's so much potential in business influencers that's untapped right right now especially in the b2b world what's your overall view on performance marketing uh some people some marketing people say performance marketing the way we knew it is dead or at least dying anytime soon what's your take no no paid paid is not dying um and i'll take linkedin again as an as an example where four months after launch we're all, already uh, getting hundreds of inbound leads through uh, paid linkedin uh, campaigns that uh, cost per leads that i don't want to say here because they're so so cheap so linkedin uh, and especially performance marketing is not that so the logic the way you use it and maybe also the platforms are undergoing a lot of change but but the basic Paid, paid marketing logic is still still there. It's, it's becoming a lot harder and you need to, to, to be creative about it, but there is definitely ways to scale paid marketing uh, nowadays as well. You have salespeople, right? Yes. Um, where do you find good digital savvy salespeople? <laughs> That's the holy grail uh, question. I don't think there is a secret uh, sauce. We, we never completely uh, got this and I think no one, no one did. The one thing you can do in the end, and that scaled at, at UpReach, my, my previous company as well, is build an amazing sales culture. Like be the one place where sales reps early on in their career can develop incredibly fast. And once the, the word spreads about you can become a top uh, revenue making AE here within one or two or three years, um, also the people will come, come in. Data. How does data make Junto successful? So knowing what skills a talent has, what connections a talent has, that will become incredibly powerful to us and at the core of what uh, the Junto technology is, is building. And it will enable um, Junto, but also our clients to become much, much more successful. So data is really key for us. Um, do you already have a data team? And if yes, or, or, or also hypothetically, which functional areas should be supported by a data team, in your opinion? Yeah, we don't have a distinct data team, but the data decisions we make, they are informing um, the tech side, the product side of it. Like, what do we need to, to build? They're informing our learning operations. What's the way how the pedagogies should be structured, and then also the marketing and sales function in terms of how can we um, scale revenue operations more and more efficiently. Um, would the data team answer specific questions or explore what's there uh, and find opportunities? Yeah, I think that's very phase dependent. Like in the very early stage that Junto is in now, it's answering specific questions that uh, Johannes and me are asking ourselves strategically. But I think as a company grows, it becomes much more strategic in how it monitors uh, data and explores ex existing data sets to, to inform decision making, obviously. How can you make sure that the people do what the data recommend instead of just following their gut feeling or do what they always have done? Yeah, that's that's a very good question. I think for now it's very easy for for Junto again because it's such a small, uh, close knit team. As long as you're a family, people are easy to to be convinced. So one maybe uh, takeaway I can share from a previous company, Upreach, that worked very well for us was to host a data breakfast where the data team would present insights to the whole company and everyone who was interested and thereby making those you know big graphs and and shiny numbers more much more approach, uh, approachable and, and personal and also learn why do we generate all that data what can we do with it uh, operationally 
Nice idea. Uh, which data tools and infrastructure do you use? For now, it's a very basic uh, setup based on just Google Data Studio, pulling together a few Zapier flows from the from the different sources we have. In the future, obviously, as data is key for for Junto, we'll build an own own infrastructure with the uh, obviously um, best in class uh, tool set. Um, how about a data structure? I guess for now it's relatively, yeah, as you said, small, no, no dedicated team. <laughs> but, um, which which roles would you see in a data team, and and how would you structure that? Mm, that's a that's a good good question. So for for now, the data team is Johannes and myself, <laughs> and I think we'll we'll start growing through through data data scientists, and then build the team accordingly as the as the company grows. And where do you think should a data team be located in an organization? Some put it to a CFO with the argument that this is where the numbers sit anyway. Some put it to marketing because that's where you have the biggest leverage with your data. Where, where, where do you see it? Yeah, I see data. I, I see data reporting to to founders for a very very long time, and the reason for it is, as you're saying, data is a very intersectional uh, topic, and it should be informing product sales and for us learning operations as well in an equal uh, manner. So this is not a CFO topic for for me. This is like strategic uh, founder level, and this is where it should be reporting to. GDPR is it a struggle or an opportunity? For us, it's a struggle, uh, definitely. I do value the the political will of um, uh, data ownership and privacy. I just do think that the European lawmakers have not done a very good job in making um, those political regulations uh, operationally um, uh, manageable. Keep it that way. Oh, so the fundamental idea is fair or more than That's fair. That's amazing. But the but the execution is probably poor. It's, yeah, it's very theoretical. The execution. Yeah. <laughs> Environmental, social, and governance. Um, I actually don't know if you would consider Junto an ESG company. Um, so do. why did you or didn't you an, uh, start an ESG company? We, we do consider uh, Junto an ESG uh, company. It's a mission-driven person purpose-driven organization. Um, for us, education is key, and I do think education is the key to, to change the world, make the world a better place, and that's uh, what drives Johannes and me and the, and the team. And I think we do have a very strong purpose in unlocking all the, I call them secret business playbooks, the knowledge that sits in the minds of those world-class uh, leaders. And for a lot of people, there is no way to gain access To that knowledge they might go to university but this is not where you're learning the the, the business skills you need to, to prosper today what does junto do internally in order to help our environment so we're building junto co2 neutral from the very beginning and while this might seem seem obvious if you think about the share of uh, business travel that's actually um, um, uh, combustion uh, driven and how much people are traveling for their business education today to yet another seminar hotel hosting their uh, business trainings um, this is key for for junto and i'm a i'm a member of leaders for climate action i think for since the very beginning like two three years uh, ago so uh, this is also a way for, for us to, uh, to, to be part of the change. How about the social part? Which, which role does it play in the way you run your business? 
Yeah, it's an it's an important idea from the very beginning, something that we thought of a lot. And one way we incorporate it is through scholarships, where 10% of Junto talent get a free or subsidized access to, to our education offers. This could be people from NGOs who want to learn crucial business skills in order to run their nonprofit organizations more effectively. And then another part is that Junto is donating 1% of revenues, so that is revenues, not profits, to um, education NG NGOs. And we also offer all of our instructors to be either paid in salaries in full or partially or fully uh, donate their money to, um, to the nonprofits that we support. Uh, finally, the last looked at in ESG governance, which criteria do you follow here? I mean, it's very, very early for, for Junta and a team of 10 to talk about governance uh, in that early stage. But uh, I think we're taking big responsibility from day one for instructor diversity, be it in gender or or, or others, uh, other dimensions. And um, I, I, I'm dreaming of a world where young talent don't learn from yet another um, white cis man, uh, old guy standing in, in front of a flip chart and telling them how the world works, but being able to, to follow their diverse crowd of, of role models. Do you think that if a company is putting focus on ESG nowadays and then they're seeking for funding, does it rather help them or do you rather see that investors see it as a deflection from maximizing revenue? Yeah, unfortunately, it's not black and black and white. I think with a lot of the top-notch uh, angels, also all the great people who've invested in in Junto, it definitely helps. Like people are also buying our mission and and purpose. Uh, for the VCs, my experience is that it does depend. But then again, for Junto, as we're going out and scaling our our company, we're looking for long-term partners who are sharing the same vision as, as we do. So in the end, I don't really care if someone is not interested in ESG because Junto will always remain a mission-driven company and either you're, you're joining that journey or you don't. Do you have an ESG officer or similar or, or do you plan to have one in the future? Yeah, I, I love the model of a chief impact officer, and that's something I would really try to experiment with Junto. It's very early uh, worldwide, but there's a few great uh, examples out there. For now, obviously, not not yet. This is a founder a founder's role for a very long time in the beginning, I believe. Oh, you already mentioned uh, that, that that you see the the, the chief uh, in the title. So for you, that's a, a C level. Um, that's It where you put be. it. Yeah, okay. it could be. I would I would love to have a chief impact officer at one day at Junto who is really holistically driving with a strategic mandate our ESG agenda. Last three questions. Which is the one podcast that all founders should listen to? There is many, but one is The Knowledge Project from Shane Parrish. What are your two top pieces of advice for early stage founders? So one thing I have learned is that most questions have been asked before. When I was a first-time founder, I tried to answer every question myself. Now that I'm starting a company again, I know whom to ask and like to role model world-class people who've done it before, who've been in my shoes before and proven that they know the strategies. And then a second piece of advice that I have learned is It's much more important sometimes to know which house to lean your ladder against rather than to learn how to climb the ladder the fastest, only to realize that you've climbed the wrong ladder in the first place. 
So what I'm saying here is think about your strategy at least as hard as you're thinking about all the executional details that might boost your mind in the everyday uh, hustling of an entrepreneur, especially in the early stages. Last question. Who are the two other founders? I should ask this set of questions and you will make an introduction for me. Yes, I think one is Celine Villers, who's um, introduced LinkedIn marketing as a channel for the whole uh, German and European region. She's a big role model in that with her people branding company. And another one would be uh, Kim Breuer, who uh, with like-minded is scaling a company in the very important space of uh, mental health and bringing technological uh, change here. Marius, thank you so much. Thanks for your 42 answers to our 42 questions. Um, it was a pleasure having you um, to the audience. I hope you enjoyed that episode and hope you st uh, stay with us and listen in next time again. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Rainer. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed our podcast. If you did, how about you subscribe on Spotify and or iTunes and give us a rating. Thanks, guys.